Welcome. We're so glad you're here this morning. If you're a visitor or a first-time visitor, we're especially glad to welcome you. In front of you, if you're visiting, you will find a Connect card. We would love to have a record of your um, visit, and we would love to know if there's any way that we can serve you. Um, On the back for everyone, there's um, a place where you can give us your prayer request. If you want staff and others to pray for you, if you would fill that out, we would be happy to do that. You can deposit these at any exit in the baskets, or you can join staff and others at the guest reception kiosk in the courtyard this morning. So um, go meet them, get any questions you have answered. It's our privilege at CFC to have our commended missionaries, Jody and Marita Hanford, with us this morning. Um, Jody is a longtime commended missionary and a longtime friend. And um, Marita is his wife of 22 whole months. <laughs> we had the privilege of praying for Jody, Jody's life mate for a very long time. <laughs> and so it's so great to welcome them this morning and to see them minister together. Won't you welcome them? Yeah, thanks. It's so great being back at the chapel. And it's fabulous getting to know so many wonderful people here. It feels like my our church. It's only her second visit. She loves this church. But we are newlyweds, but we're also uh, CFC missionaries with crew or uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And so we love working overseas, but we also, our, our main ministry is being based stateside and sending meeting and raising up new missionaries and sending them overseas. And so we uh, want to share a few stories with you this morning very quickly. I want you to see these stories as your stories because uh, you're having an impact. CFC has always been a missions-oriented church. And so these are, this is part of your impact around the world in nations and including closed nations. Most of you know that closed nations are countries where their government tries to shield their people from ever hearing about Jesus Christ, even forbidding the sharing of the gospel. So we love working in countries like that. So we're going we're gonna to introduce you to a few. There'll be two themes in each quick photo you see. One is they went for six weeks in a summer. Now they're back longer term. So it's going to be six weeks, summer, longer term. And this will be a fast five, so buckle your seatbelts. And so first off, we have Cammy. Yeah, so Cammy uh, went last summer, a year ago, with his to a Muslim country in the Middle East, came back and said, I want to spend my first year after college working in the Middle East. So she's back now, just got back in that same Muslim country. Marita will be um, mentoring her all this year. And here's Carl. So Carl led uh, for us to a communist country in East Asia for two straight summers, and he just graduated in May, and now he is back in that country in East Asia, age 22, serving as a professor. That's his, that's his platform for ministry, and uh, so we're excited about him. Uh, he's back for at least one to two years. Next up is Stuart. Stuart led for, or actually went for two straight summers with us to a Muslim country in the Middle East, uh, graduated, just finished up his first year there. Now we've made him team leader in that location, so he's back for his second year as team leader in a Muslim nation. We're excited about that. And here's Brianne. Brianne served for the last two summers, uh, for six weeks each, in Japan. She just applied and got accepted as a long-term missionary in Japan. So actually, she's raising her support right now. She's still stateside. And finally, Hannah. 
Hannah, uh, I've known her about five years, and she went for two summers to a Middle Eastern country, went back for two years, and now she is headed back long-term as a long-term missionary. So uh, she was one of the first ones that that we got to send. So um, thank you, CFC. We we love, when we met these students, they were regular old college students, and um, we just love to share God's heart for the world with college students, the Great Commission raise them up as missionaries, missions leaders, and then send them to the world. So thank you for sending us to, to do this ministry, and it's a privilege to, to be able to do this in partnership with CFC. Thanks again, CFC. I don't know about you, but I think it would be a, an honor to pray for you guys, for the Lord to continue to bless you. So let's just pray for the Hanfords. Father, we just come before you this morning so excited to hear the reports of what you are doing through them there on the West Coast, there as they are working with college students, and they are not just wanting to reach the college students here, but they have that big vision that Jesus, you had, which is follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they are casting that vision into these students, and then they are sending them to the other parts of the earth. And so, Lord, thank you so much for these reports of these individuals today and and many more that I know they weren't able to mention. Father, we just pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would continue to bless their work for your glory, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, good morning, CFC. Labor Day weekend. Are we awake? Maybe? All right. Well, you should at least be more awake than 8 o'clock, right? So that's good. And uh, yeah, if you don't know who I am, that's okay. You're not that far behind in the life of the church. I just got here like two weeks ago. I was up uh, introduced last week. My name is Ryan Jorgensen, and I am the new, I think my title is Associate Pastor, which basically what that means is anything the church needs, that's what I do. I do I'm there. So I've kind of learned that throughout church history life. Um, but uh, yeah, my family is not here yet. They'll be moving here in a couple weeks, and so I'm excited to get them here. But uh, in the meantime, we are here. And I thought, though, that I know they had a picture of my family last week, but I love to show off my family, and uh, so I'll give you a couple more pictures here. So so uh, what do we have here? We've got my, my, uh, my children and my wife. So my wife is Holly, and we've been married 17 years. And then my uh, children from oldest to youngest, Josiah, Abram, and Nevaeh. Now, I know most of you in the room right now and in the other room are thinking, that's one of the cutest little girls I've ever seen in my life. And I would say, you're absolutely right. Uh, but let me make sure that you get a holistic view of my precious little angel, when you see her running around, this picture might help with that. Uh, So there is an ornery little streak in her, and of course she gets that from me, not her mom, of course. So just just know you were born when you see her. She is awesome, I love my family. Like I said, I can't wait to get them here. And uh, so just pray with us as that whole transition happens. So um, it's good to be here, but I don't know about you, but I haven't come here to hear about me. I've come here to hear the word of God, amen? Amen, so let's get our Bibles open and let's get to Mark. In the book of Mark, we're going to be in chapter 12, as we've been going verse by verse through this book, and um, digital devices are legit, so turn those on, that's okay, no judgment going on here at this church, and in fact, if you don't have a Bible or forgot yours, that's okay, because 
uh, we have on the church app a free Bible on that app. So download the app, get the Bible, and I just encourage you to get your own scriptures in front of you. I have learned I get so much more out of a sermon if I'm looking at the Bible for myself. So encourage you to go there. Now, as you're turning to that Mark chapter 12, I want to ask a question to kind of whet our appetite for the big idea of what Jesus is going to bring out today. But let me ask this question. What drives you? What drives your decisions? What drives your life? And uh, there could be a lot of different answers for that. Some of us got little kids. I mean, it's your kids, right? I mean, they are driving your life. You're driving them around, you know, kind of thing. And your, your life centered around them in so many ways. Others of us, it might be your career. You're really into that. You're working through that. A lot of your time, energy, resources is going to that. Others might be the concept of just comfort. Like I just, everything I do, I'm trying to get, have a comfortable life. Uh, others, it might be your sports team. All right. Maybe the, I think I heard the Gators just played a game or something. And I'm from Iowa, so I'm still learning all this stuff, but the Gators. And then I think there's some other team, maybe the Seminoles, something like that. And, and I, if there's another one that I'm forgetting right now, just ignorance, just teach me afterwards. Say, this is the team you need to really mention. Just let me know. Um, but like, you know, you're, you're thinking about them. You're saving up money to go to a game. You're losing sleep nights before to go to the game because you're excited. Okay. So these things are all good enough in and of themselves. They're not a sermon to bash all of that stuff. But what Jesus is going to do here in this passage is he is going to tell us probably the most important thing that should drive our lives. And it's this, live every moment with eternity in mind. Live every moment of your life, all your decisions, may eternity help drive your life. And that's what we're going to get into today. But I say, let's pray before we open the word, okay? Would you just pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning, and uh, it's a great holiday weekend so far. We're thankful for that. But Lord, we have come now to meet the living God. Would you just speak to us through the pages of this book called the Bible? Have your way in us, we pray. And everybody says, in the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So we've got this guy named Mark. He, he was a disciple of Jesus. He got to walk with Jesus while Jesus was here. And so he, like three other guys, Matthew, uh, Mark, Luke, John, uh, they all recorded their, their things that Jesus said, that they saw and whatnot. And so in his book, now he uh, chose by the leading of the Spirit to record four encounters that Jesus had with religious leaders of the Jews of his day. And in these four, certain questions were asked. And today in our passage, as we've been going verse by verse as a church, we're getting into the third encounter of four. And so let's jump in. Look at verse 18 with me. Some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection came to Jesus and began questioning him. So we have the Sadducees. They say there's no resurrection. So who are these guys? And if you're in church for a while, you may definitely probably heard of the name, but if someone asks you, tell me, who are the Sadducees? Probably you're going to have a hard time kind of defining. We don't talk about them a lot. Uh, in fact, they don't even exist today in the world, okay? But let me just kind of unfold for us a five details about these guys. First of all, they were the majority members of the Sanhedrin. And so these guys are a group of leaders of the Jews. And then the Sanhedrin is the collective group of all the Jewish leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, and others. And this was the biggest group in Jesus' day, was these guys' names, the Sadducees. 
Second, they worked with the Roman rulers and they liked the power. In other words, the, the Romans ruled Israel in those days. And uh, the Sadducees, instead of bucking against the authority of the Romans, they actually worked with the Romans. And in return, the Romans gave them a lot of power over their people. And they really liked that power. And it sadly influenced their responses to Jesus and other things. Uh, A couple other things about the Sadducees. They believed only in the Torah. And the Torah, getting all sorts of new terms here today, aren't we? The Torah is written by the prophet, anybody know? Moses, Moses, okay, and it's the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And so they, the Sadducees, would only believe the first five books of the Old Testament. It's right there in your Bible too. The first five books are the only ones from God. And all the other Old Testament ones, Psalms to First Samuel and whatever, those are not the words of God. We only take the first five and listen to them, all right? And that's going to play into later. Uh, also, Tied to that, they rejected the oral teachings from the Pharisees, this other religious group of leaders in the Jews. So what would happen there is not only did the Pharisees take the rest of the Old Testament as God's word, but also the Pharisees would, if you will, preach sermons based on the Old Testament. And then they would uh, pass the sermons around as oral teachings and basically raise the sermons to the same level of authority as the actual Old Testament itself. So that would be like uh, all of you taking a manuscript of what I say this morning, God forbid, and you like study it and, and, and use it and the equal authority of the verses themselves that we're looking at today. And so that's what the Pharisees did. The Sadducees, they wanted nothing to do with that. That's not the word of God. And so they rejected it. And then finally, something that Mark himself brings out right there in verse 18 is that the Sadducees rejected the resurrection of the dead, this belief that the Pharisees were teaching. And actually Jesus himself is that when we die as mankind, we will be resurrected and we will live somewhere for eternity. And the Sadducees rejected that belief. And that's what Mark said. So that's who the Sadducees are. There'll be a test later when you leave. And there you go. All right, just kidding. All right, let's jump in now. And let's look at verse 19. And let's see what question they ask Jesus. Jesus, I'm sorry, teacher, Moses wrote for us. You see how right away they're going out of Moses? They're not going to quote Samuel. They're not going to quote David. They're only quoting Moses from the Torah. It's all they believe. And they remind him of this, that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. So what they're reminding Jesus of in the Torah is a specific law in the law of God called the Leverett marriage law. How about that? You can throw that out at work break and sound smart. How about that? So uh, it's found in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10, and you can read it for yourself. But here's the gist of what that is. They summarize it. I'll summarize it a little bit too, okay? Is that uh, God said to the people, his people, that if a husband dies and doesn't have a child, that the nearest single male relative is to take the widow and marry her to become his own wife. Now, there's two reasons that we can tell by why God even set this law up. It's great. One is that uh, in that culture, widows, 
If you're not, I mean, it was very possible that you would not be taken care of. There's not social service, uh, services like we have today. A lot of times they would become destitute, homeless, on the streets, worse, prostitution. And so this was actually God's heart to take care of his daughters, to make sure they were married and taken care of and, and served. And there's another reason why he set this up, is, and it comes clearly out of this too, with the idea of no children is that God also made promises to his people, promises specifically of physical land in their name in the promised land. And so if a man dies and doesn't have any children, there's no heirs that carry on his name and the whole inheritance and the promise is all attached to that. You hang with me on that? Okay, so, so this was God's way to carry on and fulfill his promises. Let me just say this right now. Some of you might be going through some hard times in your life and you're wondering where God is in fulfilling his promises. God always fulfills his promises. We may not always understand it, but he does. And he even set up this back in the day to fulfill the promise of land to his people. If he could do that, he'll fulfill his promises to you and me. Amen? Amen to that. All right, so they remind him of this law. And um, now, let me say this, a couple other things about the Leverett Marriage Law. It's kind of interesting when you think about it, because it's unique. We don't really do this today. I don't know if you know that. At least typically, I don't know anybody who does it. And, um, uh, but, but first of all, you notice I said single male relatives. All right, God never promotes polygamy in the scriptures. I mean, it's recorded it happened, but he never promotes it. And just practically, it doesn't really normally go well. You can just talk to Solomon about that and some other people in the scriptures, okay? And so it's, it's the single males. But, but also, uh, just diving deep, I, I thought, man, how would this play out in the culture and specifically in the families? And, and so specifically, even single brothers, okay? And so if you're a single guy, maybe you're thinking of this, but how would that go down? Let's say you have a brother and, and he's dating some girl and they come home for a dinner, come home for a family reunion and uh, they're getting serious, getting looking at, looking at possible marriage. And was it the, the brothers pulling the other one aside and saying, man, great catch, she's awesome. And that's awesome for me too, because if you die, I, I get to, you know, like, like, was this going on in their minds? I don't know. And I know some of you think, I can't believe you said that. I'm just saying what all the single guys are thinking anyway, and they're afraid to say it. There you go. All right. So it's just an interesting thing. But again, God had purposes for it because he cares for his people. Now, the Sadducees remind him of the Leverett marriage law. Now they're going to throw out some ridiculous hypothetical scenario. And they're not asking this with an innocent question. They don't like Jesus. Jesus has been messing with their relationship with the Romans and they like the power. And so they're trying to trap him, debunk him and shut him down. That's why they're going to throw this out there. Now check this out. Look at verse 20. There were seven brothers and the first took a wife and died, leaving no children. The second one married her and died, leaving behind no children. And the third likewise. And so all seven left no children. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, again, the Sadducees, the one, they don't believe in it, but the so-called resurrection, right? When they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. You see, what the Sadducees throw out to Jesus was their MO standard, uh, they thought, nail in the coffin objection to the Pharisees and to anybody else who kept saying that there's a resurrection of the dead, that people, when we die, we're gonna raise to life and live somewhere for eternity. They thought that this kind of scenario shut that down if you believed in the Torah, all right? And, and so let me break down their logic. This is pretty fascinating. They know from the Torah, we all know that God's design, Genesis chapter one, one man, one woman for life. That's what marriage is supposed to be, right? So we, they know that. 
We also then, let's throw in this, this belief that people are resurrected. You're going to live for eternity somewhere. Okay, we'll throw that in there. Let's now add to the equation. Also, we know from God and his word that, that multiple marriages are possible for someone if they're freed from the covenant of marriage because their spouse dies, right? In fact, even God is saying here, remarry uh, kind of thing. And so we know that's the heart of God. But if you add all of these up, what you will have in heaven then for some people is polygamy. And we know from God's word that is not God's design for marriage. Therefore, Jesus, Pharisees, everybody, there can't be a resurrection in eternity because God would contradict himself, let alone we don't see in the Torah where it says there's a resurrection. You see the logic? You guys hanging with me? If you do, say, I'm in. I'm in. Awesome. Hey, that's a lot more than eight o'clock. How about that? All right. <laughs> yes. Coffee's kicking in. All right. So, so here's the thing. Was Jesus stuck? Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Look at verse 24. And so Jesus said to them, man, you guys got me. That's brilliant logic. You're right. I'm going to stop talking about eternal life, resurrection. You're totally right. Is that what he says? No, no. Okay, look at verse 24. Does he say, I don't even know why we're talking about eternity and heaven. Can we just talk about sports? I mean, this is lame. Is that what your Bible says? No, just kidding. All right, look at it for yourself. See, you're like, I'm a new guy. You got to pay attention to the Bible. You never know. I'm going to change it, okay? So I promise I'll read the real one now. Look at verse 24. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are mistaken, that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there, right? I mean, because think about, okay, remind me, CFC, what's the name of the group of people Jesus is talking to? The what? The Sadducees. And and what are they known for? Is their full-on commitment to just the scriptures, specifically of the Torah. Like they took pride that we are all about the Bible, okay? That's a good thing, but it can turn into pride. And maybe Jesus is a kind of a jabbing at him here. Yeah, you guys don't know the scriptures, I mean, that'd be like talking to someone with a PhD and I don't know, is there like deep sea fishing PhDs? I don't know. I'm learning this whole thing. But whatever your PhD is in and someone saying, you don't know what you're talking about, right? And, and so at least it got their attention. He's like, guys, you don't know the scriptures. And then he also says what? You don't know the power of God. Here's what he's saying. Guys, the Torah does teach there's a resurrection in the scriptures. And secondly, God is powerful enough to pull it off. And so here he goes on to verse 25 as he unfolds his answer for when they, people, all of us, when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now you notice he doesn't say we become angels in heaven, contrary to some things that you hear out there, but we become like angels in that we don't marry anymore. We're not going to be married, anything like that. Here's what Jesus is saying. You guys are, you guys are, I'm paraphrasing totally, but like you guys have great logic here with your argument. You're right. That would be a contradiction of God to himself. God doesn't contradict himself. Okay. But you're throwing out the wrong thing in the equation. You're assuming that on the other side of afterlife, we are actually married when actually you don't throw out resurrection, you throw out marriage. And now God no, no longer contradicts himself. And again, how does Jesus know that? Because Jesus is God in the flesh. He just came from heaven. He, kn- he knows how it's going on up there. 
right? And so he's come into this world to teach us new things like that. And so, so, so he, he does that. Now, let me just say this. I'm married and I love my wife. And if you're married today or you want to be married, let's be honest. This is not really that exciting to hear Jesus say that I'm not going to be married in heaven. I mean, hopefully if you're married, you're not sitting there going, yes, I don't have to be married in heaven. Okay. I lovingly, and I do seriously say, if you really have that feeling, there's a Hope Center over there. Would you please set up an appointment this week? Okay. Like this should not settle well right away, right? But you know, there are some times in the scriptures that I have to remind myself of who God is. God, you're a good God and you know what's best. And I just have to trust, even though this doesn't make sense in my small little perspective as a human, that it's better when I'm with you face to face. And so I'm just gonna trust you. Do you guys trust the Lord today? Let's just do that, okay? All right, so let's now look. So Jesus removes their standard objection with the logic, but now he's not even done yet. He's not gonna give Torah biblical evidence to them that there is a resurrection. This is so cool. Look at this, verse 26. But regarding the fact, I love those words. Why? Jesus doesn't go, guys, can I just suggest something to you? You know, here's my opinion. You know, I think, no, I love the assurance of Jesus. In fact, what did people say about Jesus? He, they were shocked by how he taught with authority. He's like, guys, listen up, y'all. This is fact. I threw out y'all, you like that? And this is fact. <laughs> Write it down, change your mind if you need to. This is how it is. What's the fact that the dead rise again? Have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the burning bush? See, now he's going to the Torah because that's the only thing they're going to listen to. Exodus chapter three, verse six, specifically how God spoke to Moses saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. In other words, it doesn't say, God didn't say Moses, like I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. I was the God of Jacob. No, I am. Why? Because they're still alive because there's a resurrection. And when you look at verse 27, it says then he, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly, amen to that. You are greatly mistaken, is what he says to them. So Jesus uses the very Torah itself to show them there is a resurrection. Mankind, man, woman, child, when we die, there is an afterlife for all of us. We're going to live for eternity somewhere. You see, this encounter Jesus had with these guys was not really about the subject of marriage as important as that subject is. It was about something so important, way more important that Jesus says to them twice, you guys are greatly mistaken if you don't get this. And that is this, understand all people will live for eternity. And that's where some of us are today. We need to understand, this is our first step. We need to understand, it's a fact that all people are gonna live for eternity somewhere. Again, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in this. They thought when you live, whether you follow Yahweh or not, doesn't matter, you're gonna die and you are done. 
I was talking to a neighbor one day years ago uh, about eternal eternity and about afterlife. And he said, I know exactly where I'm going. Six feet right down there. That's where I'm going. That's all he thought. There was nothing after this life. And this is something that's believed by a lot of people today. Obviously, atheists don't even believe in a God, let alone an afterlife. Um, some people that do believe in a God, but they believe that like we're done. It's called annihilationism and uh, where soul is just annihilated. So for instance, even Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe the only people that go to paradise would be those that follow Jehovah. And the rest of us, the worst thing that happens to us is we're uh, annihilated. We just cease to exist. But see, God has been for thousands of years trying to get our attention to this fact that we are all gonna live for eternity somewhere. And the way he's been doing that is he's been getting these prophets in the Old Testament and speaking through them and saying, this is what's gonna happen and then writing it down in the Bible that we, things like we just read. He's been trying to get our attention to this fact. He also, because he loves us, he's also given us another gift to try to get our attention to understand that we're all gonna live for eternity. And it's called a conscience. It's a gift. It's an innate sensor in the soul of every man, woman, and child that we're born with. And the sensor is saying, hey, this life is not all there is. Hey, death is not the end. You were made for something more than this life. In fact, this was mentioned last week in the sermon, wasn't it? And it fits right into today. It comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. God has made everything appropriate in its time. God has also set eternity in their mankind's hearts. We have this gut feeling, don't we? When we go to funerals, we just, that can't be it. That's a gift from God. He's been trying to get our attention. I was speaking with a girl in her 20s a couple years ago about spiritual things. And she said, yeah, I just don't believe there's anything after. I think this is all there is. And I let her talk for a while. And eventually I just said to her, I said, you know what? I'm just not gonna buy that. I, I, I know that in your life, there's been moments that you have sat there and thought, this can't be all there is. I know, maybe it's years ago, maybe in some quiet moments that you just thought like, Death can't be the end. And her eyes got all big, confused, shocked. And she says, how in the world did you know that? I do think about that all the, like more often than you might think. And so I went on, first of all, to tell her I'm not stalking you, okay, to be encouraged on that. <laughs> I'm not some psychic. It's something, it's because God, our creator, told us in Ecclesiastes 3.11, that every man, woman, and child, no matter where you live on this planet, that we are born with a sensor trying to get us to understand we're gonna live for eternity. It's important. And so, let's start there if you didn't. But it's not just enough to understand we're gonna live for eternity. There's some really important information that we need to know about eternity that Jesus teaches elsewhere in other conversations. And so we're just gonna to go to one of those this morning. We're gonna to go to John chapter five, verse 20. I'm gonna have it on the screen for you. And um, this is what Jesus says. Listen to this. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all, everybody say all. All, all people, okay, 
who are in the tombs, who's in the tombs, living people? No, dead people, right? We will hear God's voice, his voice, and what will happen? And we will come forth, that's resurrection. Do you see that? All of us are gonna be resurrected. Okay, Jesus, we get it, but why, why are the Sadducees and why would we be so greatly mistaken if we don't even understand a resurrection? Well, here's why, because those who do the good deeds to a resurrection of life, and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that again, all of us are going to be resurrected no matter who you are, every person. And there are only two possible destinations for eternity. One, heaven with our creator, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, who loved us so much. And because of his son, Jesus, and we believed in him, we get to live with him forever because we did the one good deed that gets us there. You see, it's not going to church or giving money to the poor or anything like that. Don't be confused by that verse. There's only one deed that gets us into heaven, and that is to say to Jesus, I believe in what you've done for me, and I repent of my sins and we get into the kingdom of God. And so there's either heaven or there's one, only one other option. You notice annihilationism is not mentioned by Jesus in that because it doesn't exist. We're all gonna live somewhere and the other place is a place called hell. It's eternal dying, separation from our creator because we didn't have our sins forgiven. Because see, the Bible elsewhere teaches that every one of us is, is people we are born with also another innate thing. It's called sinful nature. And the Bible then says that we have to be perfect if we're gonna live with God forever. It's the only way we can, which means something needs to be done with that sin. But God loves us so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life that you and I could never live, died the death that you and I deserve to die, rose from the dead and conquered those powers, so that if we believe in what Jesus has done for us and we repent of our sins to him, that he can take us from the eternal destination of the default setting of hell and bring us into the eternal destination of heaven. That's the love of God. And so you know what? I know we're in church, but I hope there's some people that you're here and you have never done this believed in Jesus for eternal life. Have you done that before? Because if you haven't, I would love to give you an opportunity right now to change your eternal destination. And that is to say to the Lord, you believe in what he's done and repent of your sins. If you wanna do that, I'm just gonna offer an opportunity right now. So would everybody just close your eyes with me just for a minute? If you're a Christian, would you just pray for the Holy Spirit to work? But if you want to change your destination, you understand that you have not got Jesus in your life, you're gonna end up in hell. This is your time. Just pray this quietly between you and God. Say, God, I believe in you. And I believe I'm gonna live forever somewhere. And I admit I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. But I thank you for sending Jesus for me. Would you please forgive me for my sins? I repent of them. And would you give me eternal life? 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says that if you pray something like that from the depths of your heart, that easily, that quickly, you just cross the eternal line of death to life. And if you pray that, would you come talk to me after service or talk to some leader in the church so we can help you to learn how to study and grow in this relationship, okay? So we need to understand all people are going to live for eternity, and then we got to make sure we believe in Jesus for eternal life. Now, here's the final thing. This is for those of us that are Christians. Share eternal life with others. Share eternal life with others. Let me say this. If we really love the Lord, we're going to want to share the gospel with other people. If we really love our neighbors and we know where their default setting is, where they're going, like how can we say we love them and not try to share the message of eternal life with them? And so let's make sure we do that. Let me give us three practical steps of how to share eternal life with other people. First of all, pray. The power of prayer. You say, what do I need to pray for? At least a couple things. One, pray for boldness to share about the gospel because I don't know about you, but I think every time I've ever talked about spiritual things with a stranger, I'm nervous. Can I get an amen? Anybody agree with me on that? Okay, it's, it's nerve wracking. And this is nerve wracking too, just to say, but anyway, um, but we gotta pray. And I'll tell you what, I've seen the Holy Spirit just fill me and I'm, I'm almost like an out of body experience. I'm like, who is this guy talking through my body? It's amazing. It's the Holy Spirit. That's who it is, right? So let's pray, but also let's pray for the Holy Spirit to work on the hearts of the unbelievers. We're not gonna be able to convince him with our good old smooth words and all of that. It's the Holy Spirit, amen? So let's pray for that. Second, prepare. We gotta prepare. Like if you just pray and give your life to the Lord, awesome. But like, you probably don't know how to share the gospel with somebody else yet because it doesn't just automatically come to you. It's something we gotta prepare. First Peter 3, 15, God says, always be prepared, right? So it takes study and preparation to learn the gospel message and how to share it with other people. So you need to prepare. There's some awesome opportunities to be able to do this in our church here. I'm still learning about them, I'm new, right? But like one of them is a class about uh, how to share your testimony, how you got saved and the gospel message with people in one minute. It's coming up. Make sure you find it out in the, in the courtyard, how to sign up for that and get into that. And let's prepare. It was really cool Thursday night. I'm preaching this, of course. And after the service, three people in their 20s came up and, and um, we ended up diving deep into all sorts of theological questions and things that they were into. And, and I say this, that I, I'm glad I prepared some in other things in life. It's for those moments. I couldn't have planned that, right? But I've been preparing. And so God's then able to use what I was uh, preparing beforehand. So let's make sure we pray. Let's make sure we prepare. And then finally, let's make sure we converse. Converse, what do you mean? Like, we gotta open our mouths. Guys, I love you, I love you, and I love you, but it's easier to pray, easier to prepare. The hardest thing is we gotta actually open our mouth, right? Now, let me give you some softball easy ways first, and then I'll give you the, maybe the harder way, not impossible, but the harder way later. Here's the first one. Invite people to things that you know where the gospel is gonna be presented. Now, I'm new to the church, but I'm learning something really cool about this church, and that is this, is that the gospel is proclaimed in these services often. That's awesome. That doesn't happen in every church, right? So we as a church have these invitation cards found at the impact tent out in the courtyard. And I just wanna challenge us. Let's be not just hearers of the word, but let's be doers. And let's go out and grab two or three of these and pray about who the Holy Spirit wants us to invite 
to this church because we know that if they come here in due time, they're gonna hear the message of eternal life in Jesus. So let's do that. Would you do that? Go grab two or three of these at the tent and let's be inviting people to the church. There's another thing that we can invite people to and that is the Alpha Course. This is a Bible study designed specifically to meet people where they have no idea about Christianity whatsoever, the Bible, the gospel message or whatever. And it is a a superb study. It's starting soon. Would you also pray about maybe who are some unbelievers you know that you can invite to be a part of this and they're also found outside. Now here's the harder thing. Inviting is easier. The harder, but not impossible is why don't we just strike up afterlife, eternal life conversations with people? Coworker, family member, hey, what do you think is gonna happen after we die? And just listen to what they have to say and believe, but then make sure you bring in the good news of Jesus to them. Let's make sure we're sharing the gospel with people. I wanna close with just an encouraging story of, of a situation of a man in our church. His name is Larry. And some people in his life who applied this, they had eternity in mind. They shared the gospel. So uh, Larry, many years ago, he was a 22-year-old Navy SEAL, or Navy SEAL, Navy sailor. And he has a bunkhouse. So there's three other guys in there with him. And um, one of the guys was a Christian named Mark. And uh, he, he said that he and the other guys that are unbelievers, they would come every night and they would find Mark kneeling at the bunk, praying out loud for their salvation by name. Imagine someone, you hear it, and every night, you know, Lord, I pray for that heathen Ryan, would you just get him? No, I don't think he said the word heathen, but you know what I'm talking about. In fact, Larry even said, like, it drove us nuts. We couldn't stand the guy. We loved the dark and he was in the light. But this is what Mark did every night. Mark also invited them to Bible studies, but the guys didn't want anything to do with it. But nevertheless, it's what Mark did. Now, fast forward some time. Evidently, the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer was working on Larry because eventually another Navy sailor came up and named Terry, who invited Larry to a Bible study later on. And Larry actually said yes this time. And so Larry starts going to this Bible study. The Bible study is actually evidence that demands a verdict from Josh McDowell. Maybe you've heard of that. And you know, there's some preparation to be done by Terry and other people as you lead that. So, so here's a guy, Terry, he's been praying, he's inviting, he's preparing. And so they're doing this Bible study for weeks. And then enters a third Christian sailor named Dave. And he was in that Bible study as well. And this one divine night, Larry and Terry picking up Dave to go to the Bible study. And Dave gets in, he says, man, guys, I've been praying for like four hours. I just feel like somebody's gonna get saved tonight and he'd been praying and by the time that night ended these men conversed and shared the message of eternal life with him and he gave his life to the Lord I love it you know what's awesome too Larry said you know all three of the bunkmates ended up giving their lives to the Lord and today Larry is a man of God sharing the gospel with other people Guys, it's because those men had eternity in mind. Let's do the same. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so stoked that this longing, that this world is not all there is, is actually true. That I I get to live somewhere forever. And even better than that, is that even though I deserve hell, Jesus did what he did for me. 
And then no matter how hard this life may get, I have the hope of being with him in glory. I don't know about you, but I think that's worth singing about. So why don't you stand with me as we sing? right here is a glimpse of heaven, just a glimpse of it. So our prayer would be that as you leave, that you would come see us. If there's a need in your life that we can pray for you, that we can serve you, we would love to do, do that for you in a guest reception right out in the back. So live today with eternity in mind. Eternity begins today. Go with the Lord. Have a great day.